other day, I found myself sitting in the leasing office at my apartment complex doing some paperwork for a lease renewal. I'm thinking another year, I told her. Probably. And then I sat there blinking for a moment, realizing just how little idea I truly had of what my future would hold. The next months, the next year, the next five years. Thank you for joining me and tuning in to the final episode. I'm Alyssa Rote, and this is Big Pond, Little Fish. Making your own way in the world may feel like you're a very small fish in a very big, confusing pond. How do you honor God and pursue your calling while navigating the waters of life in your 20s? On this podcast, we're exploring life, career, family, friends, and calling from the perspective of a young Christian fish trying to make a splash in the world's big pond. Welcome to episode 12, Into the Deep, Living in the Unknown. No one has it figured out. Forget a five-year plan, no one knows for certain what will happen in the next five minutes. How do you live in the uncertainty, trusting the creator of the waters to guide you, and keeping an open mind to the wonder of his creation and the possibilities of the future. I don't know about you, but if my life was a novel, it would have some pretty crazy plot twists. I'm not living in a cute slice-of-life novel. I'm living in a telenovela translated to the page. How many of your one-year, five-year, ten-year plans have actually come to fruition? Would you ten years ago be surprised by you now? Maybe you've somehow managed to progress in a straight line toward your goals and hit them, but I'd wager far more people are like me, not really sure how you got here, no idea where the adventure will lead next. My soon-to-be roommate and I were chatting the other day about rentals and buying property and living close to family and basically came to the conclusion that we couldn't even think about it or we would get too stressed out. I don't know what jobs are in the pipeline, whether they'll require moving, same for her. Will she fall in love with this area, hate it, who knows? All I know right now is that God has carried me through everything in the past, and he has called me to the here and now. In the first episode of this podcast, I talked about the senior seminar in college where a bunch of alumni basically told us life post-college was going to be terrible. Whenever I go back to my alma mater to speak, or I talk to high school or college students studying writing about my career, I remember senior seminar. I remember how terrified and depressed I was after listening to the people on stage telling us everything that could go wrong. And I am resolved that as much as is in my power, I never ever want anyone to walk away from a chat or a class with me feeling that way. So what do I say when my life isn't perfect? When a starry-eyed freshman interviews me about being an author and asks, is it everything you dreamed it would be? It's different, but it's good. I look back at every plot twist in my life, every place that things seemed dark, or it seemed like God abandoned me, or I must have misunderstood his calling, and I can see exactly how he used those situations how they got me to where I am now, how grateful I am for a lot of them. In screenwriting, we call this the dark night of the soul. 
It happens about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through the film at the end of the second act. This is when the protagonist is at their lowest. It seems the bad guy has won. The goal seems unachievable. Often a crucial piece or person has been lost. Every good film has this. Every good novel I've read. Somehow, as storytellers, we know things have to get dark before they get better. God himself pulled off perhaps the greatest dark night of the soul of all time that, when looking at it from a writer's perspective, gives me goosebumps. It's the plot we're all subconsciously trying to mimic. Our main character, Jesus, was the hope of humanity, the promised Messiah. After hundreds of years of despair and yearning, he had finally arrived. And then he was killed. Dramatically, terribly. The ultimate bad guy, the devil, seemed to have won. Yet this dark night of the soul was necessary for the greatest plot twist, the biggest comeback of all time. As he literally rose from the dead, defeated death, sin, and hell, and, as we live through the final act, is bringing about his kingdom. In the first episode, I liken life to an adventure where God has the map. It might also be called a film where God is both screenwriter and director. And as any film buff can tell you, in order for characters to grow and goals to be achieved, they have to go through some trials. Sometimes I like to rewatch favorite movies or reread favorite books. Rewatching and rereading are a funny concept to me. Why do we like to read or watch things when we already know what happens? But I think that's part of why we do it. It's comforting to know exactly what's going to happen, to know that it's all going to be okay. Without the worry of whether everything will turn out alright, we really enjoy each and every moment. Our favorite scenes, our comfort characters. We're part of a movie we haven't seen yet, but we can trust the screenwriter. And since we're living in it, we can enjoy the scenes in real time, if we pause and appreciate them. But not if we're so worried about what's coming next that we don't stop to appreciate it. Let's go back to those high school or college students asking me about life. It's easy to glamorize people's lives when we're looking from an outside perspective. Within the publishing world, I'm small potatoes. Very small potatoes. Few people know my name. But the students don't know that. They see multi-published author. They see publishing professional. They see someone who works at a publishing house. Their dream job. And I don't want to crush their dreams because I do love what I do. I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't want younger me to give up. But it's nothing like what younger me expected. I have to honestly tell them that royalty money for books is next to nothing, and only the really big authors ever earn enough money for the time spent on their work to equal something close to minimum wage. I have to admit my publishing job is part-time and I make ends meet with freelance gigs. I have to break it to them that authors do most of their own marketing and getting a book contract is just the first step. Author and editor aren't glamorous. That often surprises people, and I think that's a good lesson for us as well. When we look at the lives of others, do we glamorize them? Do we compare ourselves and find our own lives lacking? 
Do we know what their lives are actually like, or just the picture we've painted in our minds? When we're tempted to view the lives and careers of others with rose-tinted glasses, we should instead turn that lens toward our own lives. Not in an ignoring problems way or a denialist way, but in a way that we appreciate all the good that is here and now, even if we haven't made it to where we want to be. It's the little things that bring joy. Cat snuggles as he purrs on my lap, my favorite coffee in the morning, hugs from my family, watching friends with my roommate and laughing together. I don't know what will happen next year, but I do know that right now there are so many things to be grateful for, to enjoy. God led me here. He's gotten you to where you are now, through all the ups and downs and plot twists. I'm confident that he called me to this and that he's been guiding me every step of the way. All I have to do is trust him to continue. So what are some practical steps for living into the unknown with boldness and faith? I think it looks like thanking God for the little things, the big things, the in-between things. I think it looks like making the most of each day, whether we're quite where we want to be or not, being faithful in the things we've been given, so that like the parable of the servants with the talents, the faithful stewards are later entrusted with more. I think it means being open to change, to possibilities, while remaining level-headed and not chasing every whim, every get-rich-quick scheme. It means keeping our ears open for God's call. Life is an adventure, the most interesting and immersive story we will ever experience. As we trust the author of that story, we can sit back and enjoy the ride while also venturing forth as the intrepid protagonist. And this is where I leave you. I don't have it all figured out, but I hope these 12 episodes have offered some comfort, maybe some advice, and most of all, some confidence that you are not alone. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Go forth and explore the pond with confidence. The creator of the pond is with you. And if you aren't sick of me by now and want to keep up with more content, check out alyssarote.com, A-L-Y-S-S-A-W-R-O-T-E.com. Or check me out on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and TikTok at alyssarote, A-L-Y-S-S-A-W-R-O-T-E. God bless you all, fellow fish. Big Pond Little Fish is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast app? It really does help more people like you find the show. You can find all of our episodes of Big Pond Little Fish by visiting lifeaudio.com. This episode was produced by me, Kelly Gibbons, and Stephen Sanders. Special thanks to Stephen McGarvey for his executive oversight. You can find more faith-affirming podcasts like this one by visiting lifeaudio.com.